Okay, hello there, and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... I'm Candice Lepage. Candice, who uh, officially is kicking off the, the Christmas season here on mm-hmm. End Credits. <laughs> on End Credits, sure. It's been kicked off in my world for a month now. Uh, I mean, I understand, but uh, uh, on end credits, we recognize that Christmas season technically only starts in December. This is first December show. Um, this is not some Hallmark Movie Channel thing where Christmas starts in October, because we <laughs> produce 137 Christmas-oriented films a year, and uh, you know you have to blow out that stock early because uh, there are only so many hours on TV. Sure, something like that. I think it's okay. only it's only it's under forty for the Christmas season. Plus, they made uh, a Christmas in July movie, or maybe two. So mm-hmm. it's only about forty movies. That I'm, made. I I'm not sure about that number um, because uh, certainly certainly it it it, it, it appears that the there's there's bigger stock than anyway. <laughs> We'll get. We'll that's get to the other. The that's the Lifetime, the Tubi, the Netflixes. <laughs> they they're all making. They're all doing it now. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> um, it's it's a recipe for making money? Question mark. Anyway, uh, we'll get into that later probably because we have a Christmas movie to review this week. And credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies. But this week will be the new holiday slasher, It's a Wonderful Knife, K-N-I-F-E, which you can now stream naturally on Shudder. Uh, that's going to be in the latter part of the show for the first half. Since we are in December, we're approaching the year end. So that means uh, we're thinking about taking stock of the year. Uh, obviously, our top five of the year show will come up in a couple of weeks, three weeks to be precise, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, December 6th, when it goes to air. But in uh, also thinking about where um, we've been so far in 2023, like what trends in movies seem to um, be apparent, uh, what was successful, what was unsuccessful, what types of movies did people like to see? Was there a specific type of movies that people like to see? I mean, there's also kind of a lot of newsy stuff going on. Uh, there were two big strikes this year, which may be on one of our lists. Um, but how would you, let's, let's start with a very generalized, uh, review of 2023. How would you characterize 2023 as a movie consumer, Candace? Um, as a movie consumer, I would consider 2023 chaotic, mm-hmm. which says a lot considering mm-hmm. that we went through 2020, <laughs> 21, and 22 uh, in the midst of pandemics. And somehow those still didn't feel as chaotic <laughs> as this year. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it was like because of, I guess, because of scarcity. Um, for 2020 and at least part of 2021 and then like we were playing catch up with 2022 so um, 2023 was like the first year where it was like a lot of new product um, kind of coming out as scheduled but also there was a lot of hiccups and stuff along the way too as the strike was affecting stuff yeah strikes plural yeah (laughs) yes 
Because there was a couple of big bumps because, you know, actors couldn't promote stuff while the strike was happening. So Dune 2 got moved. Um, a big Zendaya movie called Challengers got moved. Uh, because if you're going to have a Zendaya movie, you're going to have to have Zendaya out there repping for it. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, otherwise, this, uh, in terms of quality, I think this has been a very, very good movie year. Uh, I've seen a lot of good movies this year i've been obviously working on the list uh for the end of the year and um it's uh it's hard it's hard to to separate the 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 really goldy from just the regular cold i find (laughs) okay okay (laughs) like you want that real gold you know what i mean yeah not the fake gold that you can buy at the uh the tourist shop i mean i wouldn't even call it fake gold it's just like there's gold there's gold, gold, and then there's gold, and then there's the fake gold. You know? <laughs> Hope everyone's following. <laughs> Has the word gold lost all meaning yet? Maybe. Uh, it might. Stay tuned <laughs> uh, for that December 27th show. We'll see what the gold gold is. Uh, all right. So we have three kind of um, top movie stories or trends for the year. So I have mine, Candace has hers, and she's going to give us one to start off with here. Yeah. So for me, um, the the biggest sort of news of the year, which I've even already talked about on the show, uh, is Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour mm-hmm. uh, concert film, which um, uh, is a sort of like three kind of news things with this. So first, of course, is the fact that Taylor Swift... Um, totally broke convention Mm -hmm. and put the movie out herself and no distributor spoke directly to theater chains and made the deal, which Mm -hmm. is like unheard of. The last time that sort of thing happened was when the studios owned the movie theaters and they just kind (laughs) of, I mean, that's barely, that's still not even quite the same thing, but you know, um, she totally just like broke the mold, did whatever she wanted. And because she did that, she chose her release date uh, and nobody was prepared and everybody just went, whoo, let's get the heck out of here. We're not going <laughs> to compete against this. So, um, of course, the the biggest uh, one being uh, The Exorcist Believer was supposed to open that same night, which was Friday, October 13th. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, a big horror movie. They were going to take advantage of the Friday the 13th-ness of it. Oh, yeah. And then went, oh yeah, no, 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 we're not, uh, we're not doing that. Um, apparently, there was a, a hashtag. I wish I had actually been paying attention at the time, but it was called the Exer Swift, <laughs> <laughs> which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah, Exer Swifted their way right out of that release date and opened uh, a whole week early, um, which you know that's that's a lot for like a major uh, a major film to to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently there was also a number of other films that were set to be released on the week before being the sixth, which then actually released even a little bit earlier. Um, again, so as not to sort of bump up to, to maybe try to get a couple weekends or a full, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. So dumb money also, uh, moved the release date. They were supposed to open on the sixth and, and pushed it up and opened on the 29th instead. Mm-hmm. And then there are some that sort of went forward. Um, but, uh, you know, mostly uh, The Exorcist and Dub Money were kind of the biggest ones, I would say. But mm-hmm. uh, Priscilla, actually, which is 
um, a lot of people are talking about now uh, moved ahead uh, quite a bit. So they weren't supposed to, they were supposed to open on the 27th. So a couple of weekends later and Mm. pushed it for another weekend just to sort of let that, uh, let that (laughs) Taylor Swiftness go. And the thing too with Taylor Swift's film is that she was, they were only showing on weekends. So they had Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Mm. And Sunday afternoon matinees of the concert, and and that's it. They weren't showing it on like Tuesday, um, so that was also sort of unique about it. Uh, mm-hmm. It became, of course, uh, what's uh, it's the biggest uh, concert film box office ever. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, I bought tickets, and they were more expensive than your average ticket. So I kind of find this whole like biggest box office these box office numbers. When people are comparing them to each other without adjusting for inflation and or inflated prices, I think mm. are a little not really sure how how I feel about that. Mm. But it is like, a, you know, 2023 has been kind of a return of the concert movie as big major movies, right? The mm-hmm. Eras Tour has made a lot of money. Uh, Beyonce's Renaissance just opened uh, last week, I think, mm-hmm. and has made a ton of money. Um Stop Making Sense has been re-released. That's the Talking Heads one, which people right. are just raving about. So mm-hmm. uh, it's you know, 2023, the return of the concert film. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Who knew in the time of like dying music, people not going to concerts and people not going to movies anymore, apparently, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that was what was going to happen in 2023. Yeah, that's a good one. And, and Taylor Swift co- kind of crosses over with a couple of mine. Um, so for for my first sort of trend for the year, I mean, it's kind of an obvious one, but I think it's worth noting movies about products. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we talk a lot about intellectual property. This seems like it, it's gone to the next level. Intellectual property used to mean like stories based on TV shows or comic books or video games or other movies. Um, but this year we had movies about actual products um, and even the biggest film of the year, Barbie. It's about a product. I mean, it is a narrative film, but it is also about the cultural impact of Barbie. It's about the stories we tell about Barbie and uh, the, the history of the doll. There are so many in-jokes to various uh, different Barbies <laughs> over the years. Um, but, I mean, it also gets to some of the obvious things like Blackberry, um, Air, which is about Air Jordan's the creation of the Air Jordan brand, the Tetris movie, uh, Flaming Hot, which was uh, the origin of supposed origin of Flaming Hot uh, Doritos, um, the Beanie Bubble, which was about like collecting of Beanie Babies in uh, the 1990s, and I, you know Taylor Swift kind of fold into that. Taylor Swift, uh, the Eras Tour movie was selling the uh, promoting the tour, promoting Taylor Swift, um, both worthy things to promote, obviously, but. Um, you know, it really was kind of this thing where, um, you know, seen a lot in the news about you know how costly it is to go to the Taylor Swift concert, and you know, four dates in Toronto sell out in like four minutes, um, and you know, people have t- sort of turned that into a hustle, and there's been you know, ticket selling scams, and um, you know, it, it's it was a good business move on her part, absolutely, to sort of create that into a movie. It's not quite the same as a concert experience, but you know, for a lot of uh, perhaps younger girls who are maybe old enough to love Taylor Swift, perhaps not old enough to go to a concert yet, um, allowed them to sort of jump in on um, on on that 
uh, trend as well. Um, some of this has been, I mean, better than others. Uh, you know, not, the Flaming Hot movie I didn't find was so great. Uh, I mean, Blackberry, I think, will stand as one of the greatest great films of the year. Um, some of them are going to get awards consideration. I wouldn't be surprised if Air got like maybe a screenplay nom or maybe even Ben Affleck, best supporting actor playing Phil Knight. Um, like Barbie's going to get awards. So it's, you know, it, it, the other question here is like, what do you do for an encore? Like, are we just going to create more movies about products? Well, I mean, there was that whole thing about um, what's her name doing a Polly Pocket movie from Girls. Lena, Lena Dunham. Lena mm, Dunham's going to work yeah. on a Polly Pocket movie. It's like, well, I'm not sure that's really replicatable. Like pairing an indie director with a popular toy. But um, I guess, but it I guess we'll find out. It worked for Gerwig, but I guess we'll find out. But, you know, movies about products couldn't escape them this year. Products are the new IP, I guess. But uh, I'll be interested to see what what directors and producers will be able to do for an encore if this is like the beginning yeah. of something or or what it is. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I will uh, just add on to your to your list about uh, movies about products. There's also the uh, Cabbage Patch Kids um, uh, documentary, which I'd like uh, to see, yes. which apparently is is quite good. There's mm-hmm. really great reviews for it. So add that one to your list. Yeah. Um, so my next one, uh, actually kind of goes well with yours too, which is okay. I am, I am going to count 2023 <laughs> as the beginning of the end of franchises. Oh yeah. Um, you know, we really, it, it's kind of weird because at the same time, like I still look at the highest grossing movies of the year and, mm-hmm. you know. It's Super Mario Brothers, Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, mm. Indiana Jones. Like it's still franchises that are that are, you know, making the most money. Yeah. But they're not making money like they used to. Yeah. Um, and this year I think it's been really uh stark. It's been really obvious to people that like Marvel is not not bringing people in the way it used to. Mm. Um, you know, a, a lot of these things are just I mean, even the Indiana Jones movie um, you know, you can kind of look at that. Like that's supposed to be the end. Yeah. And I think that it might actually be the end. Like I really don't think that that's kind of a soft reboot of an a new franchise. No. Um, you know, and I I don't know. I haven't seen the John Wick movie, but I I mean it's been four, right? It's got to kind yeah. of end a little bit. Even <laughs> um like in in horror films and Fast and the Furious, like Saw and and Fast X, yeah. like these movies are coming out, and they are not the like billion dollar mm. assured things that mm-hmm. that you know were happening. Even in the midst of the pandemic, you know, some of those movies were still making a lot of money, and now mm. it's just like, yeah, I could just not see it yeah or people aren't just people aren't talking about it for as long part of it maybe is that there's so many coming out that like yeah you know i mean i was looking at all of the movies i'm like oh quantum mania and guardians of the galaxy 3 and spider-man all came out this year yeah okay (laughs) i wow i don't remember (laughs) like it's it's interesting like across the spider verse is a good movie i enjoyed it a lot but it's 
probably not going to make my top even my top 10 list just because it's something I don't I haven't really thought about since Peter and I reviewed it um which I you couldn't say that about that that first Spider-Verse movie that was mm-hmm. I mean that that really felt like it was, and again I don't think that diminishes sort of the creativity or like you know there's now that I'm talking about it, I'm thinking about things like the the spunk the the punk rock Spider-Man voiced by Daniel Kaluuya and like the Spider-Man cowboy who the and who's riding a horse that's also wearing a Spider-Man mask I mean all of that is just it's it's hilarious it's funny um but it, it just it does it hasn't penetrated the same and I, it's not one of my points um, but just like even more specific, the fall of the comic book movie, it, you know, and, and I don't think that has anything to do with the creativity um, because again, that Spider-Man movie was really good. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, animated movie, I also thought was really good. Um, having the turtles voiced by actual teenagers gave it sort of like a new zest. Um, and, you know, even the Marvels, which I found entertaining, I saw the Marvels. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and it, i I've, i thought it was perfectly entertaining but it just you know that's just not enough anymore it's uh it seems that that's really petered out it's it's you know despite ezra miller's issues um the complete and total collapse of the flash mm-hmm. after bringing back michael keaton as batman like that should have been easily half a billion dollars on its own just people want to see michael keaton as batman again but like that even just people were like not interested it's it's really that it's really saying something. Yeah. Um. All right. For my next point, I, I kind of I'm I, I'm a bit futzy about the word auteur, but I'm going to say 2023 year of the auteur. There were you know so many directors with like taking big swings, big risks, sometimes getting big rewards. Greta Gerwig again, uh, making Barbie, Taylor Swift. Uh, with her, with the concert movie, uh, Nolan. I mean, uh, if you told me this time last year, Christopher Nolan's movie about the guy who created the atomic bomb making nearly a billion dollars, I wouldn't have believed that. I would I would have believed if you said it was successful, but not like almost a billion dollars successful. But then you have things like Killers of the Flower Moon, which you know it's uh, it's not a great financial success, but it's certainly been a, a movie that a lot of people have been talking about. John Woo came back this year, The Silent Night. Uh, Todd Hayes came back with May December. Emerald Fennell uh, with Assault Burn again, not like a, a huge movie, but it's one that's gotten people talking. And then, of course, um, there have been directors who like first-time directors coming up, taking big swings, um, capturing the cultural moment. So I'm thinking about Selena Song with uh, Past Lives, Chloe Demont with uh, Fair Play, uh, Cord Jefferson with American Fiction, which won the best. Uh, People's Choice Award uh, picture at um, TIFF this year. Um, Jewel Taylor for They Clone Tyrone, which you and I reviewed. So it was just a really great year for directors doing stuff, whether they're first-time directors or directors with lengthy experience. Even good old Zack Snyder. I mean, look at look at all that money that's being just funneled into this Rebel Moon project, which seems so derivative, but <laughs> it's... I mean... Uh, Bless him. Big swing. Two-part movie based on something he... Well, I was going to say he made up, but uh, anyway, I'll leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not really sure what it's based on yet, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, it's based on Kurosawa. Um, 
and uh, Star Wars, which also yeah. Kurosawa's uh, it was an influence on George Lucas making Star Wars. A lot of the Jedi stuff is based on Kurosawa's samurai movies. But um, I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna say for the record, like no offense to the Snyder fans, but uh, he he's not he's not playing with a a deck of original cards in that <laughs> one. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Yeah. With Rebel Moon. Yeah. Uh, all right, that leaves uh, your three and my three. Yeah, okay, so this was tough. So I had mm-hmm. those two were pretty strong, and then I was like, okay, well, what's Adam gonna bring up? <laughs> which one of us is gonna talk about the strike, and which one of us is gonna talk about Barbenheimer? <laughs> which one of us is gonna? T- so, um, I think I am going to leave uh, both of those for you if you want to talk about it, mm. and um. I I feel like this year is the return of the um sort of teen girl like movies aimed at 14 girls. Okay. Um obviously I'm really into teen melodrama that hasn't been going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But they haven't really been big films that people talk about. Um, this year, we we early on we had "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret," mm-hmm. um, which was you know a, a pretty big movie. A lot of people talked about it. It opened in the theater. Um, I remember sitting there watching it, going, "Oh my god, I can't believe they still make movies like this and release this at the theater! Like this is great! <laughs> like that's and I'm not saying that it's a little movie, mm-hmm. but it's it's." Um, and it's not even like a sleeper. Like, I don't even know how to describe what that is, but it's just like, it is the story. It is a story for a specific kind of audience. Yeah. Who may or may not be the ones with like, that are the loudest and showing up at the, well, they are showing up at the theater because teen girls, much like, um, 40 ish year old women will (laughs) watch all sorts of things, but it's nice to have movies that are sort of about, your experience um the other one being uh um you are so not invited to my bar bat mitzvah yep uh is another one you know uh sure it came straight to netflix as part of adam sandler's you know deal with netflix Mm -hmm. but because it's adam sandler it created a lot of buzz a lot of people talked about it and it could have opened like in theaters like this was this was a, a great movie that would have done well i think in theaters yeah um, i think so too yeah and i just feel like they're both really well received critics liked it audiences liked it and i just i think it's so nice that we're going to start getting movies about girls again and like there are other ones too i haven't seen it yet but bottoms you know yep. is kind of like a raunchy teen comedy joyride um, yeah uh the no hard feelings yep which i yep. also haven't watched yet but jennifer <laughs> lawrence you know we're starting to get these we're we're getting these films again that are aimed squarely at a teen audience but are for girls that are not horror movies yeah and uh i i hope that this continues i hope that people saw how well these movies have been have been enjoyed by people mm-hmm. and uh that we start seeing more especially with the death of the franchises coming mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. there's going to be more space for movies like this to be at the theater and for people to be able to go just see a 
really funny or really nice heartwarming story about something that could have happened in their lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, again, Taylor Swift, if she, she proved anything, you give, you know, the young women what they want, they'll come out. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the question is, you know, Taylor Swift is a gravitational force onto herself. If you give, like, Joyride, I mean, it, it's it's tricky now because, you know, you know, we're trying to figure out how to promote stuff. You know, uh, young people aren't watching TV ads or they're not watching linear TV as much. Um, that's one of the reasons. I mean, that was one of the secrets to Megan's success. And Thregan, uh, <laughs> yeah. if you like, um, is that it, it was a, sort of the TikTok phenomenon. They put up the little TikTok videos of, of uh, the Megan doll and that seemed to like get people in. Um. But yeah, it's worth noting. Are you there, Margaret? It's me, God. It's, I think it's streaming on Prime right now. If people want to check it out, it's pretty easy to find. Yeah, it's it, something. Something's going to have to fill the void, and I think we're kind of getting back to um, a point where you know Disney had a formula for a long, long time: release a Pixar movie, release a Disney animated movie, release a Marvel movie, release a Star Wars movie, release a live action remake. Bang, bang, bang! Billion dollars each. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Um, and there's been a lot of press and people writing about the Disney's loss of of box office luster. Um, young people play a bit into my last pick, which is um, the arrival, finally, of good video game uh, media. So, and I say media because <laughs> it's movies and TV shows because you had The Last of Us this year. Mm-hmm which was very, very successful. Of course, uh, The Last of Us is a very cinematic game, so it it's perhaps shouldn't be surprising that there was big crossover there. But you also get um, Five Nights at Freddy's, which is also was big for young people um, because you know there's now a generation <laughs> of kids who grew up playing Five Nights at Freddy's. It's been around for five, six years. Um, gateway, it's kind of a gateway horror film because it's PG-13, so easy for young people to get into, get into is if they're, with, if they're with a parent or an older sibling. Um, there is also uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, which you mentioned. I mean, that's an interesting one because it's a family movie. Um, like maybe three generations of people now have grown up on Super Mario Brothers as a game, mm-hmm. as content in their lives. Um, now that same team is working on Legend of Zelda, which I like there's never been a movie made of a Legend of Zelda despite everything. Uh Gran Torino 2, uh, which, you know, is uh based on the Gran Torino game. It's also based on this true story about the kid who played Gran Torino and uh was able to become a, a race car driver out of that. Uh although tremendous liberties were taken with the story. Um but still it like the code the proverbial code has been cracked. Um bec- in the recent past the best video game movies were not based on video games at all. So you like Hardcore Henry, which was like a first-person shooter movie. Um, yeah. And uh, The Last Starfighter. Last Starfighter 2. Um, the Edge of Tomorrow, which is mm-hmm. essentially, yep. you know, it's <laughs> you die, you go back to the beginning, play through the level till you die, and then you keep getting better and better. That's the whole point of that movie. It's a video <laughs> game. Um but yeah, it, it, the best video game movies have not been based on video games, and that seems to be changing now. We've—I don't know whether it's just the material or the creatives involved, um, 
but you know we seem to have figured it out and it'll be interesting to see what what how that goes from there um if maybe video game movies become the new the sort the new source of of franchising who knows um i will say barbenheimer was like on the honorable mentions list in terms of trends um it's the strike and i was thinking more particularly the impact on streaming in mm-hmm. um i mean this is kind of more in the states than us i mean the the streaming wars kind of been over in canada for years since show me died but um hey re- hey remember show me <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> exactly <gasps> um it was the rogers and uh chorus uh co-owned streaming service sure Sure, um, I believe you. You could be making it up, but I believe you. <laughs> we should do that. Should we like a trivia night where it's like, show me Wazzle, um, Quibi, Quibi. <laughs> Which of these are real streaming services? <laughs> um, but no, it, it the, the streaming wars, like the strikes, have kind of you know kind of brought an end to that in a sense because now actors and writers are, are getting appropriate compensation which means that content is going to be pulled back and um you're not going to have these shows that drop one season and disappear and maybe you only get one season and we'll see what happens so uh in the meantime we're going to check out uh a new horror movie just in time for christmas it's called it's a wonderful knife you are listening to end credits here on cfru 93.3 fm cfru.ca guelph campus and community radio Everyone would be better off if I was never born. Did you see that? Did the power go up? Oh my god. I stood under the aurora and said everyone would be better off if I never existed. Well, wish granted. The angel strikes every couple of weeks. How can that be? Do I know you? It's Winnie, you know that. Okay. This her? Hi. Hi, I'm Henry Waters. You're safe now. He's not gonna get you. No one in this town knows me. Who are you? Dad. You weren't around to stop him, so he just kept going. He likes killing. Okay, that was a clip from It's a Wonderful Knife. It's the new film from Tyler McIntyre, and it stars Jane Widop, Jess McLeod, Joel McHale, Catherine Isabel, Aiden Howard, Aaron Boyce, Sean Deppner, and Justin Long. Uh, hey, remember when Justin Long was the apple in those commercials? I I do, and I think about it every single time I see him. <laughs> Especially in this movie, actually, I thought oh, about really? it a lot just because of the, I was thinking about how far too. he's come from that. <laughs> I was gonna say how far he fell. Um, it, yeah, this is uh, Justin Long. It's so weird. Like his career is so weird because he has like he's 
Apple. I'm Apple. I'm the Apple. I'm cool. And he did like mm-hmm. Accepted, which is a movie I actually enjoy quite a bit. He was in Dodgeball too. So he had like a good, pretty yeah. good comedy run. And I then just, he gets, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I just love, because he was sort of the like, not so much like romantic comedy lead for a while. Mm. Like he was kind of the 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 nice guy that everybody loved, which of course when he played that in Promising Young Woman, I was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. they totally nailed that. But yet he has these weirdo roles like this that he just seems to relish. Yeah. I loved his role in this, <laughs> even though every time he was on screen, I was like, I can't, I just I can't with your face and your eyes and your hair and your <laughs> accent. I just can't. Whatever you're doing, stop. <laughs> but that's what you're supposed to feel whenever he's on screen and he did it really really well yeah he has donald trump spray tan with carrie elway's accent from twister which (laughs) no i was like what is this is this is this a southern drawl yeah no it's 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 an englishman doing a southern drawl uh that's the accent because because there's a like he's there's some moment where he's talking and all I was thinking about was Carrie Elway's and that, that, that scene in Twister where he's showing off their version of the Dorothy was like, now inside a hundred of these little senses. And it's just like, you're not, a, you are not from the American South. Yeah. But then those times that his voice would get really high, like, Oh, that's okay. Little girl. That's okay. <laughs> like what? I love it. I hate it. I hate it, but I love it. Uh, yeah, I hate it, but I love it too. I, I, uh, although I think, Justin Long was doing yeoman's work in this. I I do think he was miscast. I think, sadly, Joel McHale is kind of miscast, too. Joel McHale was so sadly underused. I was just like, we have Joel McHale, and and this is what we're doing with him? Like, I think, yeah, there were parts that I was like, oh, okay, great. This this is good. Though, frankly, I mean, William B. Davis also... Um, permanently underused yeah yeah permanently underused but also uh definitely a mark i was like oh uh william b davis i guess this is filmed in vancouver then <laughs> yeah that's i'm i mean you know Catherine isabel showed up too it's like tell me you shot in vancouver without telling me you shot in vancouver yeah. um which is fine it, 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 there's it nothing to... wrong with shooting in vancouver it means you get more william b davis all the cool kids used to shoot in vancouver um but yeah it, it's Joel McHale, I don't. I see him do these things. Like he was in a couple of episodes of the X Files reboot, mm-hmm. and so it's like I understand why you think Joel McHale is good here, but I also don't know why Joel McHale is here because I think he's like a a very specific flavor of smarm, which if you're trying <laughs> to be earnest, is not because he doesn't like he's incredibly not earnest no matter what what he's doing or how he's to- how much he tones it down and maybe it's all those years on the talk that is like yeah see, and i felt like it was the opposite because i was just like okay justin long is just going for it and playing a ridiculous caricature and mm-hmm. joel McHale took his role as straight man far too seriously mm. i was like why why are you underplaying all of this just like let's ham it up a little bit I do wonder what it would look like if Justin Long was playing the evil Mr. Potter developer guy. If that might have, and I don't know what if that if you switch Justin Long and Joel McHale if that does anything, but I I I think Joel McHale would have like really 
like really chewed that scenery as the evil developer guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think he could have uh, yes, I agree that <laughs> that either one of them could have played um the Henry Waters character. <laughs> um I don't think either one of them can play the the dad. The dad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that both was... of them were would have been miscast in that role. That should have been a Kyle McLaughlin-y kind of flavor. Oh, this kind of like I'm a He's little too old, unfortunately. It's too old now. Isn't that sad but... now? Yeah, no, it is sad. <laughs> like he'd have to play a grandfather, but I mean yeah. that kind of like I'm a comforting guy. Uh like I'm a I'm a real dad kind of guy, but I could also snap if one thing goes wrong. Like yeah. that's 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 the flavor you needed. Um yeah. so let's talk about the plot because it... <laughs> <laughs> in case you've never seen it's a wonderful life and a horror movie that's right it's that's exactly what this is so uh, it's it's new year's or not new year's eve it's christmas eve uh there's uh, this evil developer played by justin long he's one piece of property away from acquiring this land and he needs to build some sort of tacky mall like thing <laughs> and it's uh, William B. Davis. He is murdered one night. His granddaughter is murdered. Uh, who is also the friends of the uh, Winnie, who is the um, Jane Windrop character. Um, anyway, uh, Jane Windrop as as Winnie manages to defeat this slasher who is going around town killing this uh, particular family who owns this land, and it is the Waters character. And we flash forward to one year later. Uh, everyone is acting normally except poor Winnie, who um, is obviously dealing with, uh, you know, having her best friend killed in front of her, having her brother almost killed in front of her. Her family and, is yeah. just having killed someone herself, having killed someone herself, electrocuted someone like one of the most brutal deaths. Um, and uh, her father is now owner of the waters business. And so everything seems great, but she's having trouble dealing and she goes to the waterfront and wishes that she was never born. And voila, she is in a world. Angel falls is the place, the name of the place. Mm -hmm. And because she was never born, the killer was allowed to kill. And he kept killing, uh, killing people to acquire all this land, to take over this town. And, uh, what Winnie discovers is that she must uh, solve these crimes once and for all and defeat the killer or killers question mark before she gets to go home. So uh, it is. Here's the thing about this wonderful life. It's a wonderful life does exist in this universe. Yes. Um, which I have mixed feelings about because there's a pretty good twist about it at the end like where it gets to play on which one of the the two main characters is the clarence and which one is the george bailey yep but it just it it <laughs> it's not addressed till about halfway through the movie I was like, hey our experience right now is like it's a wonderful life because nobody makes that connection initially which yeah it felt like it it took winnie a little too long to figure that out considering yeah, yeah i mean i don't who knows i don't know <laughs> if that happened to me how long it would take me to go am i living it's a wonderful life it's possible I mean, yeah i do strongly believe that movies are movies and real life is real life so yeah so who far knows? so good yeah who knows maybe if something like that happened to me i wouldn't immediately think oh it's just like that movie i mean <laughs> if if you know in that situation you 
what I mean to bring it back to community, you you literally would be the Abed where you're always constantly looking for the pop culture reference in your own life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am sort of the Abed, so maybe I would immediately. <laughs> oh, I know exactly what's going on here. Perfect. Who knows? Who yeah. Knows? But yeah, it did seem like it took a little bit of time before um, Winnie and Bernie realized that uh, it was an It's a Wonderful Life sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I, I wish I liked this movie better. Yeah, me too. I did like it. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, it was halfway of, there. It was halfway. Yeah, there. yeah. There was just like something a little missing. Yeah, and I'm not. I couldn't really tell you what it is. Yeah. Uh, I think some of it is. Um, we didn't get enough. Uh, Catherine Isabel and uh, the woman who played her girlfriend what's her name or her wife or whatever cassandra something cassandra node yes yeah um you know it kind of feels like you have these two really great actresses particularly um with Catherine isabel and we Mm -hmm. just kind of did nothing with them um so uh, she gets some great she gets some great like line deliveries though she does in the alternative universe when she like tells her sisters she's a a damn mess like the, her delivery in that was so perfect yeah yeah <laughs> but like in in this um alternate reality she's mm. kind of the only one except for bernie who actually believes winnie yeah but ultimately that doesn't really make a difference it doesn't like, come to much yeah yeah there was you know if nobody did believe her i think everything still would have played exactly the way it did mm-hmm. um but yeah there was just something a little bit missing i think like i said joel McHale was sort of miscast or underused mm-hmm. um the the design of the killer though was great. very very cool yeah. i really liked that and i actually kind of loved that i was like oh we're starting the killing like right away yeah like before we even got i mean it's not like an opening uh like a slasher where we get the opening kill and then the title it was different from that it was like we get a we whole get movie the, in the first yeah, 15 minutes yeah, yeah. It was it was great. Um, so I was like, oh, that's kind of that's kind of cool. Interesting. They're just really gonna like they're going right for it right away. Um, what else did I like about this? I mean, that's the thing. I couldn't really tell you what I didn't like either. Mm. It's just it just was not exactly ex- you know. I think because there were some parts that were kind of really good. Like I loved the opening, not the very opening, which was a Justin Long, uh, Henry Waters uh, sort of commercial, yeah. um, which really set the scene. But as soon as that was done, then they started and I was like, oh yeah, they're they're going right into this like Hallmark movie mm-hmm. aesthetic. Like they mm-hmm. just, they did it. They're like a small town where Christmas is like everything to them. They're even called Angel Falls, which is kind yeah. of like a Christmassy sort of thing. Yeah. Everything's about this. The, you know, dad who always works at Christmas and isn't with his family. And I'm like, oh, we're just like, we're going to knock off all of these cliches and just yeah. throw them in there. And I think they did a really good job with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I guess maybe that just set my expectations a little bit too high. Maybe. I think it's, I don't know what Tyler McIntyre's done before, but he definitely has talent and there were some like sequences that are like really well staged like the at that beginning where winnie's like hiding in the forest from the slasher 
like that was really well like the way the camera sort of like moves around trees to see where the killer is um there's a scene in the movie theater later where the lights are out and the only light is coming from this like flash on a camera that was another thing too it's like when does this movie take place because nobody has a cell phone it's kind of weird um yeah you know sometimes <sighs> it's just easier to just leave them out and, I suppo- like I let's just pretend they don't exist it's gonna make a better story <laughs> yeah but she's on she, she's doing email. anyway um so i mean that was good the, the, the character design of the angel killer that is really good it, you know it's interesting to have this like killer that's like all dressed in white um which is is such a uh an opposite thing from most slasher killers which are dark and muted um the whole thing about the i get why i, I get the whole ripping off of the of the hallmark aesthetic um it definitely like everything in this movie has the feeling like we're shooting in may and we're pretending it's christmas um yeah. <laughs> you can nobody ha- nobody's seeing their breath everyone's walking around with their coats open like it doesn't matter because it doesn't because it's like 20 or 30 degrees out um so that there's a lot of that um and i think that's kind of one of the detriments here is like this movie needed atmosphere it needed like that kind of like it's a cold winter's night it's maybe it's not that cold like maybe it's like cold and it's kind of warming up or it's warming and it's cold getting colder so there's like a mist and a fog and it's snowing um like that kind of like atmosphere like there's a chill in the air um i think that's kind of part at least you know maybe for me um yeah it's it's kind of hard to put a finger on just exactly where this doesn't work out i think i think it has a mind that it's like the wikipedia description for this it's like it's a slasher comedy i'm not sure how funny it is and it, it doesn't seem like sort of explicitly comedic and so i'm not sure if that's uh, like a, a bit of mismarketing or or what that is because you have justin <laughs> justin long yucking it up as mm. you know kentucky fried donald trump jr or something um but well, it's i mean in some ways too like his brother buck mm. Yeah. Like there was definitely comedy in here, but in a in yeah. that sort of more satirical sharp way that TV yeah. movies nowadays do. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's I guess maybe there's a little bit of like we're not sure exactly what the tone of this is. Are we sending up it's a wonderful life? Or are we using it as a jumping off point to say something serious? Um and so, you know, I I guess a lot of it I just try to focus on, you know, I try to focus on Winnie. I try to focus on Bernie, who's everyone calls like weirdo, but it's actually pretty polite, which I yeah. found it's like every time she leaves, like this is a really nice house, but she says it like sort of like grudgingly, like <laughs> I was raised properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's absolutely no reason given for why she is an outcast from the rest of her yeah. classmates, especially yeah. considering like she's at this party that's at like the most popular kid's house yeah so i mean i i know like who you, told her exactly <laughs> like and she goes to it every year because she's at it the next year too it's yeah like, okay um sure <laughs> it's one of sort of the many inconsistencies and it's like there, there's that scene at the end where winnie and bernie are you know hauled up on stage in front of the town and and Justin Long said, "Here we have an outsider and a pariah." I'm like, "How is she a pariah?" <laughs> well, which one? Which one's the outsider? Which one's a pariah? Who even knows? That's that's a good point too. Here's another confusing thing: was 
Bernie's mom waters his girlfriend. Is that something we're supposed to understand? I I don't know. There was there was definitely an eighty yard line. Because yeah. I couldn't tell who was saying it, where, yeah. at, like, at that scene, when it's something about, yeah, like, he says something about her mom. Yeah. And then Winnie turns to look back behind her, so we kind of see the back of her head, and Bernie is there, and Bernie doesn't open her mouth, but there's a line. Yeah. That I think is supposed to come from Winnie, and I listened, I kept, like, I replayed it twice to say, wait, what? What did he, yeah. she say? Yeah. Something about your mom. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, was she one of the murders or what's... I don't understand. It was not clear. Yeah. So you're thinking that the the bimbo on stage with him yeah. as his girlfriend is actually Bernie's mom? I thought that was supposed to be Bernie's mom, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That could have been better... Yeah, it was telegraphed to us because there's this line where it's like my mom is always out dating jerks, and that's why I'm like always home alone on Christmas, and it just that seemed like that was what was it? It was setting up, which is again, it's another bizarre thing that just it's it's a loose thread that's never tied. It which which now that I'm talking about it makes me really angry. No, it doesn't make me angry, but it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it's just it's yeah. it's one of those things where it's like if there was a couple more passes of this script, like it's a tight ninety minutes, which I appreciate, mm-hmm. yep. but someone needed to go over this thing with a fine tooth comb because there's yeah, like, there was there's stuff, stuff that, that drags. Yeah, there's stuff that drags. There's stuff that's missing. There's a good idea at the heart of this. Um, some of these actors are good. There's some good lines. But it just there's it's not quite there. It's like it, this was half cooked, like they were on a deadline. Mm-hmm. Which um, one yeah. one thing that really bothered me mm-hmm. when I was watching it when we got to the end. So <clears throat> in the real reality, a year later, a year after Winnie has killed the the angel killer, mm-hmm. um, her family are weird. yeah like they're not remotely like they were the year before which you know understandable there's been sort of a weird like there's been a trauma Mm. kind of in in the town in the family right her brother was presumably very injured and you know that would have been scary Mm. uh her dad's business partner essentially (laughs) was the serial killer and is is killed uh so understandably the family is going to be different but the difference was so weird yeah because they were very like and i get what they were trying to do but there was no it didn't make any sense to me that her brother would suddenly be super into his dad's business and be doing all the stuff and just become like a dad clone yeah and why they would love the son so much that they literally bought him a truck for christmas and bought her a pair of pink velour pajamas. Yeah. And it's like, I don't... <laughs> okay, uh, this seems really extreme. Which is fine if that's like the joke we're going for, like, this sort of extreme thing. Yeah, if they were overcompensating or something. <clears throat> yeah. It, yeah. And then she comes back from her... Like, she wakes up on Christmas morning after having actually lived this whole other life on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve in the alternate reality where she took care of everything comes back and her family is just suddenly magically changed i'm like yeah but nothing happened to them yeah 
Like they didn't experience any sort of change. So where were the parents yesterday who were yelling at her to stop dwelling on bad things? Yeah. And buying their son like a $100,000 truck for Christmas and not buying anything for their daughter. Like where are those parents? Yeah. Like what's what's going on here? Yeah. That's kind of um uh, let's call it a plot hole. Um <laughs> what yeah. if- one of a couple of different plot holes <clears throat> on this movie, which is fun. It's a good time. I mean, uh, always looking kind of for new Christmas content. So, um, yeah, like I'll definitely there. watch this again. It's sure. it's in the rotation, and sure. it's it's fun enough that uh, I I will enjoy it. And again, the killer, the angel killer design is so good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, the parts are better than the whole. I think it's it's not objectionable. It's not. I would I wouldn't call it a failure, but I I think it it could have been massaged into something really great. But uh, this is what we've got. Yeah, I feel like I'm being a big bummer on it, but it's it's no, not it's, that bad. It's, it's just it's perfectly fun. It's perfectly. I just fun. wanted it to be awesome, and it wasn't yeah. awesome. It was just it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Uh, well, on that note, that's the end of this week's show. We hope you liked it. You can listen to it again by downloading it every Friday from our website and creditsradioshow.com. You can get it at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite app like Apple, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. Speaking of Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on end credits. Just open up Spotify, search for end credits on CFRU. You can stay connected to us on social media. We're on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and we're on Twitter at End Credits Radio. I will be back here on CFRU tomorrow at 5 p.m. for news and politics on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson. Or you can go to my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And Candace, where else can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me everywhere on the internet at sin48, that's C-I-N-N-4-8, um, especially on Letterboxd, where you can follow along my uh, 2023 Hallmark holiday movie list. Uh, <laughs> I have so far watched eight of the 40 movies because mm-hmm. um, uh, mm-hmm. November was busy. So I only yeah. just uh, watched a few of them, but uh, it, that's going to speed up a whole lot soon. So probably, <laughs> uh, you know. By the next time I I chat with you, I'll have watched all of them. Every single one. Well, there you go. Um, Should we tell people what we're also up to in a couple of weeks? We're going to be at Breezy Breakfast talking about movies. Oh, yeah, that's right. December 14th. Yeah, in person. Yeah, wild. Yeah, and then it'll be on the Breezy Breakfast hour, which is on Mondays on CFRU. That'll be on the 18th. So if you don't want to go to Rise and Shine, which used to be Breezy Breakfast, but now it's Rise and Shine. It's confusing. <laughs> it's a whole story. <laughs> There's a story behind it. Um, but yeah, so you can come see us in person or you can listen to us later on the radio at an entirely different time slot. It's completely up to you. And in the meantime, stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And we shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another end credits. And we will see you then. <laughs>